Hello, my friends. Katie Day with the Moving to Texas team. We are live in Dallas, Texas at the Tom Ferry Summit here with another episode of the Real Advice Podcast. I am joined by my Californian friend, Aaron West. What's going on, man? How are you? Katie? I am really well. I am so glad to see you here because like you just you this I, isn't your it world. It was short notice. Yeah, I got a friend said they had a ticket. I said. Let's go. I'm, so I'm in. I hopped on a plane and, and I'm here. Yeah. Well, and what was even funnier is when you got here and you're coming over from the hotel, you were on the same like Uber or bus or shuttle or whatever with like one of my teammates. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I, so was worlds good. collide. World I'm, but I'm so glad to see you here. I guess we met in Clubhouse. We do did. people still talk about Clubhouse? I, well, we do just because yeah. that's like reminiscing, I think. Yeah. I don't know how many the good people old are days. in Clubhouse anymore. The good old but, days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that's where like, I, um, I always loved listening to like what you had to say about like real estate and business and investing. Cause I feel like everyone like invests, you know, but like no one actually gives any practical, like real advice or like things that are like, you know, things that I could duplicate. Uh-huh. And you always gave like such practical advice just around real estate and life. So I'm excited to dig in. Oh, thank you. Um, all right. So for someone that may not know you, um, you're from California, right? Yes. So I'm from Modesto, California, okay. which is about an hour east of San Francisco and an hour okay. south of Sacramento. Okay. So we're two hours to Yosemite, two hours to Napa, two hours to the coast, two hours to Tahoe. That seems like a pretty good location to be. It's a great location, except it is flat and farmland. So we do not have the California prices that everybody thinks that you have. It's, which is good and bad, right? Which is Affordability, good right? Affordability is nice, and you just have to do a lot more business compared to most other California agents. Well, I, was say, I live in Texas, <laughs> so I'll talk to people... And we'll, you know, because te- as Texans, we talk in units, right? And Californians talk in volume, yes. right? When we talk about our sales. I talk in units. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So you're my people. That's why we <laughs> get along, right. I think. No, but I was talking to a buddy and I was like, oh, yeah, we did 191 sides last year. And he's like, my God. He's like, how much money did you make? I was like, the same as you, man, with your 50 or whatever, you know? So all good. So you're, are you from California? Uh, yeah, I was born in California. Did some did some moving around when I was yeah. younger on on all the West Coast. Yeah, and uh, so now have a team. I'm out of production, so I stepped out of production awesome. a, a year and a half ago. And I have a team of seven, and they are all just rock stars. It's been been really fun. That's really cool. So, how when did you get out of production? Uh, March of last year was when I officially stepped away from production. So how was that process? It, it was one of the you know. Everybody aspires to that, but it was one of the most difficult transitions that I've ever had to make in my life because of um, you go from a hunter to a gardener. Yeah, and, for sure. And it is a if if you've built a big business and it's something that you've been doing for a hard time, that transition where you wake up one day and you go, "What the hell do I have to do?" Because you're no longer out there hunting all yeah. the time. It was. I mean, it was a solid three or four months of soul searching to make that transition of like, okay, this is my new, I, I get success through people now and I need to build them up. Well, and it's, I think that like your hunting is a little different, right? Like you're probably adding agents. You're probably, you know, helping your agents at the gardener, right? Cultivate their business and do those things. Um, did you, had you ever tried to get out of production before? No. And then, okay, so this was like one and done. Was, it worked for you. One and done. It worked for me. It was like, I have always been the biggest bottleneck to the business. Yeah. So every step we all? that I've taken, we all are, <laughs> we all are. So every step that I've taken in, in making that transition to being out of production, I could have done it much sooner. And so, um, so by the time that I made that decision, the systems were in place, the office yeah. staff was in yeah, place, yeah, yeah, the yeah. team was in place. So it was actually a pretty easy transition. Well, and not to like, you know, you've already done it and it's whatever, but like sometimes people do it too soon. So like, you know, hey, maybe it took longer than it should have for you, right? But like, I feel like a lot of people 
you know, try, and they're like, oh, geez, the profitability is gone, the systems aren't there, the, you know, and, and all that, then they have to go back into production to make some more money yes. to then rebuild it the right way. So, and, and we've actually grown. So last year we did 181 transactions. We're on pace for 225 yeah. this year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. me stepping out of and the way scary. is a good thing. Yeah. But it's been a good thing. So Yeah, because that's normally what, what happens, right, is, is an agent will go out of production and then their transaction count plummets because they, re- they didn't realize normally, like, you know, that they were 50 or 60% of mm-hmm. the, the team you know, revenue and all that. So, yeah. Um, well, that's really cool. Any advice that you would give to someone that wants to get out of production? Uh, I think that the biggest piece of the pie is that you have to have your system so dialed okay. that when you step out, you're able to see what's still going on in your business. Yeah, and like the, the transparency. The into, transparency okay. and then having a, a really, really good COO director of operations that is there to handle the day-to-day business and and the system side of things so that when you do step out, there's not this void of all the things that you used to do. Okay. What are some things that y'all like track that like, you're like, this is something you've got to do. Did you just say y'all? I did. I did. (laughs) That you people, that you guys Um, like track and stuff. As far as agent agent tracking? Well, no, just like, because you're saying like the systems, making sure that like your oversight and transparency and all the things. I think a lot of it is just having the systems to where the agents, when you step out of production, all the systems are there for them to fill the void without without you having to be the one that's recreating the wheel. So a lot of agents, when they're, they're stepping out of it and they've been the, the listing agent, let's say, or a lot of them do listing and buy oh, and then all, all of a sudden things. they just yeah. step out. They, they don't have the systems to support with them because they are the system. So when they step out and someone comes in to try and fill that void, yeah. they don't have the skill set that that team leader, that Rainmaker does. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, all right, so this is going to be a total selfish question. How did you get over... So I'm trying to get out of production, right? We talked about this yes. in passing the other day. And like, um, basically a few years ago when I first started in coaching, um, you know, my, my coach was like, you've got to stop picking buyers, right? So under X price point, they need to go to your team. And then it kept increasing until it got to the point that like I was no longer helping buyers, right? I, I did maybe like five buyers last year, you know, out of yes. my 30, 40 transactions. Um, how do you get out of your head of like when you start seeing your agent selling more homes than you? You know, for me, I think it was a little bit different because I looked at it from a different point. I looked at it that I was competing with my agents. Yeah. And so when I made the decision that I was going to step out of business, it was <laughs> I, I stepped out of business so that I wasn't competing with my okay. agents. So for me, it was actually really easy to okay. do because I, I never competed with when I got rid of the, the buy side of things. I stopped, I stopped with the buyers because I was like, I'm taking the best lead. I'm taking the biggest ones. And that's not fair to my guys that are working their asses off. So I'm going to give them everything. And it doesn't matter if it was a $5 million buyer, they got everybody. And once they saw that, then they became vested in the success of the business because they knew that I was looking out for their best interests. Well, and I like, I'm... I've done that on the buy side and, but now it's sometimes difficult or, you know, awkward or whatever for like the listing. So it's like, I just need to get in a better mindset. Cause that's yeah. Well, and I brought on a full-time listing agent. So I took one of my buyer's agents who had all the skills and we played the watch me. I watch you go. Yeah, do we're doing game. that now. And, yeah. and you know, as you work through that and then there just comes a point where you just say, I'm out. Yeah. And I, I had a conversation with the team in November when we do our goals. And I said, March one, it's your guys's job to push okay. me out of production. And they all went, 
okay. Challenge accepted. Let's Challenge go. Accepted. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So March one came about, and I was like, I'm out. And there were some small, you know, growth pains or or mentorship things that needed yeah. to be done. But that's that's to be expected. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's. If it, if, it, if it was smooth sailing, we wouldn't want to do it, you know? Exactly. We all complain about the problems, but, like, yes. you, you like them a little bit. Um, okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, investing. Money. I know that's, like, your thing, yes. right? And that's, like, such a broad topic. So, like, where, would you, where do you want to dig in? Like, so let's, let's... I, I think at the, the simplest part is the, is the place that pretty much all agents need to start at okay. the beginning. And that is real estate is set up for everybody to have money problems. So if you're a saver, it's either feast or famine. So when you get your check, it goes into your it goes into your savings account because you're afraid that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And it reinforces that that saver fear mindset. Okay. If you're a spender, you get a big check and you're <laughs> and like, it's gone. let's go. You know, yeah. and that's where I was. I was a spender. Okay. So I was afraid of money. And um, one of my one of my mentors gave this illustration to me once, and, and it's how the difference between ownership versus stewardship. So if you want a million dollars, what would you do with the million dollars? Not today, Katie, but Katie five years ago or 10 years ago. Oh, five or 10 years ago, I would have probably blown it, blown right? It, right. And statistically, that's what people who win the lottery do. It's yeah. like 95% are in the same place five years from now because they take ownership of that money. It's my money, right? Now, if I gave you a different scenario of your best friend calls you and says, Katie, I... I just found out that I have terminal cancer and I have a million dollar life insurance policy and I want you to take care of that money for my five-year-old so that when she turns 18, that has grown. Yeah. How are you going to take care of that money? Yeah. It's very different, right? Oh, because so you, have, you would be... You have stewardship of that yeah. money. You're going to look for advice. You're going to talk to different people. And the problem with real estate agents is no one teaches them the difference between ownership, ownership and stewardship. So for me, what started my wealth building journey was... I created an account that I called Not My Money. It was a savings account, and out of every single paycheck that I made, I would take, and it started with just $50. Yeah. And then after a month or two months, I was like, you know what, I can do more. And it just kept building until it got to the point where I was putting $1,500 or $2,000 out of every paycheck into that yeah. account. And then as soon as I got the itch where I, was, where I said, okay, I got to spend this money, I would go find something to buy or to invest. And so yeah. 2011 was when I bought my first house. And every year we just have that not my money account going. And so we try and buy a property every single year by taking that money and making stewardship of that money. And I love that. Stewardship of that money. That mindset shift, mindset shift is like huge. Oh, it's, it's, it's one of the things that truly saddens me about the real estate industry is that Nobody talks about money. They talk about transactions. They talk about GCI. I know this sucker, Tom. <laughs> okay. All right. So one of the frustrations I have with the real estate industry is that nobody talks about money. Yeah. It's, you know. When top you, line revenue. It's top line <laughs> revenue. It's units. It's all this kind of stuff. But we work so that we can have a life. Yeah. And, you know. But because money is this taboo subject, I mean, if you go out to dinner with somebody, the three things you won't talk about are sex, politics, and money. And you'll typically talk about politics, sex before you talk about money for most people. Yeah. And, and, but for wealthy people, money is a tool by which they live their life. Yeah. And so making that transition and, and understanding that there's no emotional attachment, there is no greater than or less than, it's just 
where you are, the decisions you've made that gotten you to this point, yeah. then you can start making those changes and yeah. building wealth. I really like that ownership or stewardship. Like that's yeah. going to be worked into my stuff now, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> that truly is, that truly is though, right? Like, you know, if you handed me a million dollars, like go do it, do as you please. Like no person's going to be like, all right, let me, how can I properly save this and invest it? Like, and, and the thing too, is that if you can't be disciplined with $50, you'll never be disciplined with $50,000. Yeah. And those little disciplines of that, that $50, or that hundred dollars that goes into a separate account that you just have made a commitment to. Those are the disciplines that when you do start building wealth and you have the ability to buy bigger properties, yeah. you can now do it because those little disciplines have become just part of who you are. I always um, tell people, especially when they're saving, like for their down payment, right? Or whatever, like when we realize, okay, like, hey, we want to buy a house, we need to save 20 grand or whatever the number was. I don't even remember because it was, you know, a while ago when we bought our first home, like, and we were scraping together pennies for it. And like when you put your mind to it, of the, I'm putting away 50 bucks every paycheck, okay, now it's gonna be 100 bucks, now it's gonna be this. Like, you suddenly can like save money so easily. It's amazing. Right? You know, and I think what it is is that mo we, we all live our lives in gray area. There's not yeah. very many black and whites that we just set up for ourselves. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want to save money, but there's really no black and white. As soon as a tire goes bad, you can look at that account and you go, oh, I'm, oh I've pull, got money there. I'll pull, I'll pull yeah. some out of there. And then it just turns into this yeah. siphon or this, it's not a savings account. It's a, it's an unforeseen expense account. Well, and that's where, like, we have ours set up to where, you know, the money comes into the business account. Obviously, you know, we pay ourselves out to our mm -hmm. personal, you know, through at, uh, salary. Yeah, yeah, salary. I'm like, why am I having a brain fart right now? <laughs> and, um, but then, like, every, even though now we're, like, employees of our company, like, my husband still takes 30% and puts it into a tax account. And, like, when tax time comes, it's never the 30% that we owe, right? But, like, He'll take that money then, and we put it into investments and into other things. But we have we have we have so many accounts. When you log into Chase, we don't have that much money, but it's like savings account, tax savings and account. And actually, da -da -da what account. happens is you look and you actually have a lot of money. It's just not yeah. in any one account. And you're like, oh my gosh, I've got a bunch of cash yeah. here. But it's, if you look at any one account, you're like, I'm my account that I'm allowed to spend money has like seven dollars next. I'm buying you know these, so that's, right. that's why he has it all in different accounts. That I, you know, just kidding, kind of. But um, no, that's really awesome. I guess. When people are just starting out, like brand new agent comes to you, they just hang their license, you know, mm -hmm. and all that. Like, do you tell them, like, hey, man, you've got to start like separating all of it out? It's uh, yeah, immediately. And yeah. When you know, for my team, I know all of their finances. Yeah. I know where everything is. I know everything, so that we can put a plan together. Because it's it's not rocket science. I mean, no. every single person that listens to this, no matter where you are financially, can build wealth. And there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. And I want to be... I, oh, well, I would be okay being both. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, but <laughs> wealth, if you're this, you got that too. Wealth is a too. state of mind, rich is a state of account, right? So you can build real wealth for whatever that looks yeah. like for you by immediately doing those little things just... And, and even if it's $5 out of your first commission yeah, check just, and you just put it in there and you go, I'm not touching that no matter what, it's creating that mental black and white discipline that allows you as your business grows to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that we have in real estate. Um, did you learn all of this from like lots of different sources or was there like a yeah. tipping point moment of like, it, I read oh. this book or I heard this speaker or I... It, you, know, you know, it's funny because we have these uh, butterfly moments, these yeah. 15 second conversations that change your life. And I, I went to one of my mentors and it was at a conference like this and I, I walked up to him and I said, I don't understand why I can't save money. 
I said, I know how to make money and I make good money, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just as broke today as I was when I was 20 years Megan, old, yeah. right? And he looked at me and he goes, what's your dad's relationship with money? And it was, it was literally like someone punched me in the gut. I don't even remember what, what the conversation was after that because it was the first time that I had re- ever really analyzed and thought, what things do I do on autopilot yeah. are just recreating <laughs> what our Stuff. parents have yeah. given us? And so my dad's broke, my grandfather was broke, and, and I was broke. And, and my dad made a bunch of money and it was just paying it yeah. down. So that was the moment where I kind of went, okay, for me to change this trajectory, I have to start changing that, that story that I'm telling myself. Um, I never read it, but my, one of my previous characters wanted to be like, Jen Sincero, you are a badass with money gets into that with like the mindset around money and the, um, like, you know, the money's the root of all evil and all those like phrases that, pa- that your parents would say. And it digs into like all of those things. I the started reading it. The money is it, the root of all evil. It's not. Or, well, I, know, <laughs> it's I didn't read the book. So, you know, no, but it was like, it was, it was a little too like floofy for me, yes. but like, um, it was definitely like, cause yeah. So the, the three books I think that, that influenced me the most are, um, the richest man in Babylon, okay. um, which was written in 1935. Classic. Principles don't change, tactics do. So the principles in this book are what every wealthy person does yeah. to build wealth. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is another classic. A, another classic. Try to if you haven't it. heard of it, if you know, you haven't heard you're of living it, under it, a rock. It is <laughs> living under a rock because it's a great book. And then the third one is one that as we started building wealth, it's called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. Okay. And, and he talks about how us normal people think about money and how we actually block ourselves from receiving what the universe has and how wealthy people look at money like rain and they go, it comes, it flows through me and then it comes back. And I read it for the first time in 2013. And I remember I was training for an Ironman and I was on a bike ride. And one of the things he does is he have you, has you put your hand to your heart and says, I have a millionaire mind. And then or, or money flows through me like water, and then I have a millionaire mind. And I remember being on my road bike and doing that on the back road out in the middle of, of nowhere. Yeah. I hit the mic just now. But, um, and then I reread it again last year, and where we are financially is a very different place. Yeah. And that book is so, so important yeah. as you start to build wealth to start changing those mindsets about moving towards an abundance yeah. versus running from and yeah, fear. For sure. Um, and, and, and everything, I feel like that is the right mindset to have yes. that abundance, you know, mindset. Yes. Um, so the other thing that you said earlier, what, rewinding back, you know, a couple minutes was that y'all are buying at least, I know it's at least now, yes. but a property a year. And that's yes. something that I think is really cool because it's like, you know, 10 years, 20 years, however many years from now, and you start selling them. That's like, there's a retirement plan too, it, right? Like it's an infinite game. And Gary Vaynerchuk said this one, said this once, and I love it. He said, people want to get rich quick, but life is long. The first house that I bought was $46,000 in 2011. I scraped every penny that I could to get that house. It was, that was a base hit. It was just like, we made our first property. It's worth $350,000 now. And so it's like, do you still own it? I still own it. Okay. Yes. Nice. So I, I, Every property that I've bought to hold, we've held every single property yeah. that, that we've had. And so when you buy, even in today, I mean, five, six, seven percent interest rate, if you look back 30 years, which is the regular time for a mortgage, 
prices and rents have gone up by 250% at minimum if you go any 30 year to 30 year yeah. stretch as yeah, far yeah, back yeah. as you go. So if you're playing a long game, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Well, and I think like when you look back for the past 30 years, it's like 26 of the last 30 have seen price appreciation. Yes. So even if there's a bad year, right? Like even if, you know, things don't go well over the next year, like if you look for 30, like you're still going to be up. You're still going like, to, and you get the depreciation and you yeah. get someone else paying off the debt. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'll say it. I, I make almost $60,000 a year in just mortgage pay down from my yeah. properties. Yeah. So they're paying off 50, a hundred dollars a month. And over a course of a year that adds that much to my net worth and someone else is paying it off. Well, and that's like, you know, if you invest in the stock market or something like that, like the stock market could crash tomorrow, right? Like these houses are tangible items they that, you know, anywhere. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's cool. I feel like this has been a unique podcast, Jay, because I normally have like the stock real estate questions of like, so tell me about your lead pillars and like, you know, like different things like that. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's bring it back to real estate. Um, you gave some good money books. I like that. The money mindset, wealthy in it, you know, all that. What, um, what's a book or two that like you would recommend to any real estate agent to read just around like real estate, real estating? Um, you know, real estating, I, I really like the, the slight edge of the compound effect. Both of those books just yeah. really talk about the, the power of consistency and the compounding effect of just yeah. doing the same thing over and over and Monday. over again for, um, I'm in a, another mastermind and we do this show called seven to eight and okay. it is. It's the story and we interview entrepreneurs and business people who have gone from a, a net worth of a million to at least 10 million. And, Not bad. and we've interviewed, I mean, I, Richard Branson, we interviewed. So, I mean, up to a heard billion of dollars. We've heard, heard of him. <laughs> Name drop. Yeah. Um, but, but one Man, of the things I'm like, that now we I'm found nervous over here. <laughs> is that for almost every single one of the people that we've interviewed from the beginning to that hockey stick, they went an inch wide and a mile deep. Yeah. And I think in real estate, there's so many shiny objects that if you just pick what your niche is, if it's referrals, if it's, you know, TikTok or whatever it is, and you just go deep in that and you allow it to compound on itself, you will be successful in spite of yourself. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, no matter who you are, just narrowing your focus and being just insanely in tune with what that looks like. Well, and I think that's so good for us to talk about here because it's like you hear all of this information. People are just telling you all of these things. I'm telling you, oh, like I just did this, man. It, we brought in 10 deal. And you're like, oh, like let me write that down. Yeah. And then you go home and you have pages and pages and pages of notes. And like I told my team, I'm like, I want three things you're going to do between now and the end of the year. Yeah. And that, like we can implement more later, but we're going to go to another conference and we're going to hear more things. So I want three things. That's like, so everything you write down, that's fine. But like highlighted and we're talking about Tuesday is three things and that's it. And my team is one. Yeah. It's one thing. What are, what is the one thing that you can focus on? And by doing that, you can be successful. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you and obviously all of your um, knowledge that you share. If someone wanted to connect with you, where's the best place for them to reach out? Instagram, probably. It's the Aaron, A-A-R-O-N dot West. Dot West. Cool, yes. man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much oh, for your time. It's my pleasure. So good to hang out with you. You too. All right.